Welcome to the School of Calisthenics podcast with your hosts, Tim and Jacko. Before we get into today's podcast, we wanted to tell you about an amazing offer that we've got running at the moment. It is 50% off your first month's membership. It's a bit of a tongue twister. Off your first month's membership inside the virtual classroom. So that means you get your standard membership for as little as $4.99. Um, and you can start a seven-day free trial. So you can even test it out for seven days uh, to see whether you, whether you believe all the hype that everyone's saying, how amazing it is and the progress that they are having with their training. Yeah, there's loads of content in there, guys. And if you want to learn a handstand, a muscle-up, human flag, it's all included in that uh, that standard monthly membership. And our newly upgraded handstand course, as I said, is part of that. And that is worth checking out by itself. It is an absolutely great piece of work, if we do say so ourselves. Um, but the feedback on it has been amazing. And we would love it if you went head over there and just checked it out. So the details for that are on in the show notes. That's 50% off those memberships. And as you say, you get that brand new handstand program that everyone's making such a big fuss about as part of it. Now, on to the podcast. We have got an absolute legend on today, Mr. Andrew Tracy, one of the nicest guys in fitness. And for me, has got a beautiful philosophy around training. He's done some really um, interesting stuff in disrupting what our modern day interpretation of training is and how simple we can make it. Um, and this, I just think, is a really enlightening podcast and is a great way of, of um, articulating um, a lot of the, the philosophy and messaging behind how he trains. Yeah, I know a lot of the listeners were, but a few people had requested that we get him on, actually. Um, and we were really looking forward to it. He's a guy that, um, yeah, he, he, he goes deep. And I really, one of the things that I loved most about it is that his whole mantra and his whole ethos on his training has come completely organically from a place of his own journey. And um, he's very open about that. And he, he sort of, he's effectively found refound he ended up refinding his love for fitness and him just sharing that with the passion that he's got um is why so many people are gravitating towards him and i think it's a yeah it's a beautiful backstory to it and uh, as well as all of the great information he's got for you and things um to do that you can implement straight away in your training to get the most out of the time you've got available as little as that may be even if it's just five or ten minutes he proves that you can still get an amazing workout done and the last notice that we've got before we dive into the podcast is just we want to say thank you to the guys at Red Light Rising for sponsoring the School of Calisthenics podcast. They're awesome guys and their product is amazing. They've got some incredible evidence and scientific-based research to show the effects of red light um, therapy. And you can find out a ton of information. They've put some free articles together on their website to go and see about that itself, the benefits of red light therapy, but also other ways in which you can improve your immune system, you can improve your health and your performance and your recovery, and even something of particular interest to me and Jacko, fine lines and wrinkles. So go over there to redlightrising.co.uk and they've also got an incredible offer on Jacko. Yes, that's 5% discount for all, off all their products for Scorecard Science listeners. Uh, the code for that is SOC5, so SOC5 for 5% off their products. Uh, and you too can enjoy the benefits of, or the many, many benefits of red light therapy with those red light rising products. Think how look how young I'm going to look in a few years, Jack. I know I'm, I'm worried. I needed I needed this. I needed these red lights. You better get you better order a bigger 20, one. I needed them when I was 18. You need, you need to order a bigger one. <laughs> I've got more the lights. biggest one. More lights, I've got, please. I've got the biggest one. <laughs> I need to stand closer. Get closer. Right. Enough of this chit chat. Let's get into the Andrew Tracy podcast. It's time to roll that jingle. So an absolute pleasure to invite Andrew Tracy onto the School of Calisthenics podcast. I would go as far as to say fitness royalty right now yes. joining us for a uh, for a little bit of a chat. So welcome to the podcast, mate. Thank you very much for having me. I'm blushing now. Just give us a little bit of background and, uh, and just tell everybody a little bit about yourself, what your background is, the sorts of stuff that you get up to from a training perspective. Um, keep me on track with this one because I can go off on a bit of a tangent, but I never played any team sports, wasn't really interested in any sort of organized fitness growing up. Um, and then I got to 16, I left school, wasn't really sure what to do. And just kind of like by the by, like on the off chance, there was a, a job, at a, a, an independent, like a private gym. And I applied for it and I got it. And I 
no real interest in fitness, but being in that environment for sort of 10 hours a day. And it was a real sort of spit and sawdust uh, bodybuilding gym at a time when there, uh, you know, there wasn't that many of those around. There wasn't, we're talking like 15 years ago now. And I just fell in love with it. I fell in love with, with training, with, with, with uh, kind of everything that comes along with the, the education. And I was just so enamored. And I had all the time in the world kind of working behind the counter to focus on getting qualified as personal trainer, all of that stuff you kind of do. And um, yeah, I did that from literally the age of sort of 16, 17 onwards and ended up working in a, in a commercial gym, big commercial gym uh, in the city of London. Fairly, fairly sort of kind of, you know, successful. If that's the kind of career trajectory you're after, then... I guess that would be what you aim for. And eventually I just found it was absolutely killing my passion um, for wanting to, to learn. And I was finding that I didn't want to, I was being offered like seminars and stuff like that from sort of continued education, working for a big, big company. And I didn't want to do it anymore. And uh, there was a point where I just looked and I thought, do I love fitness more for what it is than I do as a job? Um, and I kind of did a bit of soul searching and just decided I didn't really kind of wanted to be involved in, in fitness in a corporate manner, if that kind of makes sense. Like it was just too, it was too sort of cash orientated. And I always had this feeling that the management kind of saw our clients as just, as just cash cows. I mean, we were in Moorgate, so we were in a financial district and, um, and I moved to another couple of gyms after that, just trying to find, you know, something, that I could sort of eke a little bit more happiness out of. And in the end, I just thought I want to take a little, little bit of rest from working in fitness and find my passion for fitness in and of itself. Um, and that was, well, uh, from there, I kind of accidentally got into the events industry and this was around the time of, of the Olympics ended up getting, you know, a reasonably good kind of project management position, worked my way up there off the back of the Olympics, I thought it silly not to, I had a very good kind of network and decided to start my own company, uh, my own company in the events industry. And then that, that's kind of it. So what, what, what was intended on being a sort of six month sort of career break, uh, I still run that company now, kind of eight years later. In the meantime, I, kind of fell back in love with training again, but it was at a, and I was attending seminars and I was, was like recertifying and I was doing stuff like that, that was kind of fulfilling me sort of more spiritually. But my, my actual training had kind of ground to a halt. Um, I was traveling a lot of, I don't know if anyone has ever worked in the events industry. It's like, it's pretty sort of rock and roll. Like you will leave the house at five o'clock in the morning. And if you come home at all that night, it won't be till like eight, nine o'clock um, or else you're just, you're just staying away. And there would be kind of stretches of, you know, particularly throughout the summer of weeks and weeks and weeks on end where you just come back for a day to wash your clothes and you're, you're staying in sort of budget hotels and you're working upwards of sort of 14 hours a day, manual labor as well. And I, I got really kind of back into uh, all of my reading and like staying up to date research wise and just like delving into other people's philosophy behind training. And then I kind of had the, the, the opposite thing. It kind of happened to me. Now I was loving it and I felt as though I had no time at all to train. And um, I don't really think there wasn't really like a catalyst moment where I, you know, wasn't, I didn't really have a moment where I looked at myself in the mirror and was like, mate, you you've got to pull yourself together but I just decided just to start integrating kind of small stuff wherever I was like just this kind of minimum sort of effective dose I was lucky enough to have a you know big long background in an education in fitness so I understood the principles of programming and I was like you you can make this work and I started kind of working out just in hotel fire escapes and things like that doing a mixture of obviously your body weight stuff and conditioning work and then I was kind of eking a little bit of kit together like I'd, I'd travel with a, a single kettlebell I can remember having a 28 kilo kettlebell in my um I had like a big 
Bergen rucksack. And at the time, this was pre me setting up my own business, and I'd have to carry that to Tottenham Howe, like up and down the stairs <laughs> to meet drivers for pickups and stuff. And but I started to really love it again. And not only that, I kind of discovered that all of the stuff initially it was just like a compromise and it was like, I'm just going to train like this for a little while until I can get back in the gym full time. And the, the further I went down this path of adapting and experimenting and seeing what sort of programming I could make work with minimal kit, the more I realized that oh, actually anything, anything, if you've got uh, a couple of kettlebells or a couple of dumbbells or even one and some gymnastics rings, there's, not very many kind of form factors or kind of programming avenues that you can't take yourself down with a little bit of adaptability. And um, yeah, I just, I just literally just carried on like that. And even, even now to this day when I've got access to like a, like a fantastic Bulldog gear home gym and I could realistically like owning my own business day, I could just join a gym and just go there but I don't need to anymore. And that's kind of where the philosophy of you and not your gym membership came about. I was then finding myself working with people and talking to people who had more time than me and they had more access to more resources, but they had built barriers themselves or not necessarily themselves, but the fitness industry or the you know fitness incorporated has barriers to entry, like time finances, things like that. And then I kind of felt this big push to kind of backwards engineer everything I had discovered and was discovering and distill it out in a way that might be applicable to everybody else, if that makes sense. Like if I could take what I'd learned and, and the failed experiments and the uh, successful experiments and backwards engineer that into programming and into advice and into coaching for other people who are, hard up for time or hard up for resources then I kind of found that to be a bit of a calling um so yeah I just I literally just carried on 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 that path just trying to create as many resources as I could uh, under the you are not your gym membership umbrella um and eventually I kind of got on the radar of of men's health and I worked uh, I did a lot of contributions for them in terms of the the workout content and then the middle of last year they offered me a position as their chief fitness editor which is fantastic and it's a position I still hold to today and a big thing for me with that is I kind of look at it like I could keep banging out my own thing for as long as I like and I can keep putting stuff out on social I can keep working with people on one-to-one which is brilliant and it's, it's so spiritually rewarding to do that but to be in that camp to be in the men's health camp whose reach is already huge and influence what what we're putting out as a as an outlet as men's health that for me is just such a huge win and literally this morning I was just going through my messages and there's people saying that they are using workouts from the mag that we've made adaptable for this time and they're using the we released a supplement in the beginning of january which had some bodyweight only workouts that were a mixture of sort of hypertrophy and conditioning and to get the feedback from these people that maybe otherwise wouldn't have found their way to me saying they weren't going to train today or they kind of thought that training wasn't something that was accessible for them in whatever their situation is, but they're, they're doing it. They're getting out there and they're doing it with these resources. Like that's an incredible feeling really. Yeah. I think one of the, you, you talked about like you'd lost your love of um, fitness or you were fighting, you wanted to find your way back in and you sort of gradually and organically did that by the sounds of it. And, and I love the fact that the, the notion of you are not your, your gym membership and, uh, the other one that you do talk about that like you work out in places on your Instagram that you work out in places where you normally park your car and that wasn't through a a manufactured thing that you've tried to do anything you've never it, you know you've never tried to do anything gimmicky it's literally this is what you had to do and figure it out for yourself and then that that passion um, comes across so much and I think people just feed feed off that passion and the influence that you're having on those people is is incredible and it's it's encouraging and probably challenging a little bit at the same time because you say there's a lot of people will be listening and watching and go well 
I don't own my own business plus a fitness editor or a thing. You know, I mean, you, all the, you know, the, you're the biggest, busiest man in the world, yet you're still getting incredible workouts done, whereas a lot of us might have more time. And it's, there's, it's that, like, that edge between challenging people, but also you're inspiring them and it, you know, you're, doing a, you're doing an amazing job. Yeah, and I, I don't really like to, like, for me, it's not like a thing of, like, how can I put it? It's not like a, a martyrdom. I'm not the, I really, yeah. I can't stand, like, the hustle culture and this idea of I'm busy, 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 and I'm still getting it done. Like, I think, mate, if I could do nothing, I would love that. It's, it's just no, <laughs> there's, no, I'm not, there's, no, there's no, like, um, uh, I really don't draw much motivation from people who are braggarts about how busy they are yeah um but at, at the same time uh, i think you just have to approach people with a, an attitude of empathy so if someone comes to me and says well you know i don't have i don't have this and i don't have that rather than just shut them down and give it like yeah well i'm you know i'm working 90 hours a week and i'm still getting after it because it's, that's not helpful a lot of the time yeah. you know just be like okay man like what can you do like that's that's help like surely that's what we're we're here for as coaches like yeah, that's got to be that's got to be what we want right is to see people improve and i think particularly over the last few weeks this is something i've seen with obviously there's people aiming now to provide as many resources as they can and Joe Wicks is obviously doing an incredible job and what he's doing is so altruistic with his live workouts now and to see people knocking him it makes me think why are you a coach like do you not want to see people get better that like that mm. should be first and foremost if it's ego driven if it's from a if you want to be the coach and you're like oh one day you know play your cards right and you could look just like me i just think that's a that's a poor place to be coming from as a coach you, you should be for for me i just think be human focused be focused on the person in front of you and what they can do to get better and how you can help them get there as opposed to what, you know, what kind of ego you can, you know, what kind of ego boost you can draw out of that. Um, and yeah, so I'm not here to be like, you know, if I can do it, you can do it too. It's more a case of like, you know, for example, I'm doing this. So like, is there something from what I'm doing that you can backwards engineer to work for you? Yeah, 100%. I think there's some really like interesting stuff in there. And I, I thought the same around the stuff with Joe Wicks of just people criticizing him. And, and we kind of spend, well, my Twitter is kind of um, linked in with people who are uh, sort of in the strength and conditioning industry. And a lot of people come out and going, it's not PE. What he's doing is not PE. Like, it's good that he's doing movement, but he's not doing PE. And I'm like, just the guy's getting people moving and yeah. he's being a positive influence yeah. in people's lives at the moment. So let's just, for this period of time, let's just not worry about it. But I think that's, well, let's not get into this human psyche of this, but it's jealousy yep. um, that he's doing so well and he's got such influence yeah. as he has. But I'm with you and just getting people doing stuff. And, and that's one of the greatest things. I, I think we'll probably come on to the, the COVID lockdown at some point in, in the back end of this conversation. But I'm seeing way more people doing way more exercise than they've ever done before because it's being forced upon yeah. them. I have been um, so like... Uh, filled with I don't know, pride's not the right feeling but like just seeing how actually invested people are in their fitness in this period like i would not have called it i would have yeah. thought like if you'd asked me six months ago look and if you said this is going to happen how do you think people are going to respond and i would honestly maybe have said i think a lot of people are just going to be like cool like great i'm not going to work out but there's, you know, there's going to be no pressure for me to work out, so I'm just not going to do it. The amount, the way people have responded and the way people have, like, taken up arms and just, like, they're making it work has been just incredible. Like, so, yeah. like, for me, like, so motivational to see. I think, I think it's a shift in that needing to be sort of fit and healthy because you don't want to get, ill you don't you just don't really think about that day to day those of us that like are really into training it's there's probably some other stuff driving that whereas because everyone is i don't think it's necessarily like whether people have got more or less time now i think it's a case of 
of my, yeah, just my view that the people are feeling the need to like, I need to go and stay healthy. And if I'm only allowed to go out once a day, well, I'm going to go and take the opportunity because I'm only supposed to be going out once a day because of the social yeah. distancing stuff. That then the impetus is like right there in front of you. I don't want to get ill. I'm going to try and make myself as healthy as possible during this time rather than, you know, eating well and, and exercising well now so that I'm healthy when I'm 60, 70 years old. Like that's so far away. Whereas now it just feels so feels so real. And I think that's been that's well, personally, that's something that's been a definite like notice a driver for me. And I assume um, well, I'm making an assumption that there's there's a number of other people like that as well. Definitely. I, I think it's probably definitely definitely kind of brought to the forefront for a lot of people without meaning to be too morbid, but their own mortality and the the, yeah. the frailty of the sort of human condition. And I think as well, like this is something we like we as a as a community say all the time is do what you can and control what you can and use what time you have, blah, 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 blah. And I think sometimes that kind of, we all say it so much, even though we mean it and even though it's good advice, it must to a certain extent just start washing over people. But now we're in this situation where the, you know, literally the prime minister of the country is saying you can have one slot of exercise per day. People are seeing that people are seeing that, okay, this is what I can control. This is, yeah. this is my, this is something I have complete control over. So I'm going to do it. And I think that must be quite cathartic. Yeah. Let's dive into a little bit of detail on, on some of the training. Cause there's again, a couple of points that you picked up on before around um, one phrase I just wanted to pull out and get your, your mindset around just to share a bit of, um, of context as well. Is around minimum effective dose um, because this is people are busy. People have got, as you say, they've got businesses, they've got families, they've got stuff going on. I think we've kind of, um, one thing I wrote down when you were talking before is like a lot of what you've done is kind of broken down people's modern day interpretation of fitness and training, what that needs to look like. I've got to go to a gym and I need a membership and I've got to do X, Y, and Z. But when it comes down to it, a minimum effective dose can be, doesn't need a 90 minute session. You don't have to find 90 minutes in the gym. Just give us a little bit of context around what that looks like from a top level philosophy perspective or, or physiological perspective, but then also how you kind of fit that into your, um, your sort of daily working life and living life. Yeah, I think particularly like starting at the bottom, a lot of people, if they're, if they're coming at it from the idea of, I don't have time to work out, so I'm not going to, and they haven't then perhaps worked out in a very long time, then their minimum effective dose is going to be so low that they would be incredibly, I think most people would be incredibly surprised. Well, I, I know they would be because there's people I work with every day, uh, how little they actually need to do to get like a good response and I, I think a lot of it comes down to like if there was a if there's a product that costs a thousand pounds and that's just the standard price of the product if you came out with a, a product exactly the same but it cost a pound nobody's going to believe it everyone's going to be like, well, how can yeah. that be true and i think uh, the, for whatever reason like fitness is sold as this big package and i get it because it's everybody has to keep pushing the envelope and some things aren't, it's not very sexy to say, Oh, you know, you just need to do these, these few little things. So over the years it's evolved as this huge, like billion, billion dollar industry, billion pound industry that I think that then makes it very hard for people to swallow. No, you don't need to go to the gym and do, you know, go there. Fine. That's cool. That's, that's your thing. You don't need to go there and do like, endless sets of this and endless sets of that and have all the gear and take all the supplements. Like you don't, you don't need that. And I, I can understand how that must be, well, you know, it must be a hard pill to swallow. I know because it took me, I was in the same situation where I was like, I haven't got time to work out. So there's no point. And it wasn't until I pushed myself to try something like, so, like my a big part of my philosophy is something always beats nothing that I was like, Oh, okay. Like actually, this minimum effective dose is way lower than you would, than you would have assumed. And I, when I started really breaking it down, and again, this is obviously a, a, I have the privilege of having an education in in fitness, and obviously it's something I've done myself, and I've taken taken it upon myself to get that. But at the same time, I do recognise that it is a it's an asset that perhaps some people don't have. But I would look at traditional programming. And say, where's the noise in there? Where's the fluff? Where's the stuff that's actually not necessary whatsoever? And how can I take that away and in 
and maybe increase the volume of the work that is I'm actually getting the effect from, if that makes sense. So let like one example I always use, if you, if you follow someone on like a traditional, you know, like body part bro split, like no disrespect to that, I love it. <laughs> if you follow them into the gym and you watch the, the quality of work over time, so you, let, let's take the most obvious, uh, most obvious example. Let's take like a big chest day. So a guy might go into the gym and obviously he's going to start on the bench press, warm up, maybe do three to four worthwhile working sets where he's, he's getting like the, the exact, the right stimulus he needs. And then he might move on to some inclined dumbbells and the, the intensity and the impetus is going to drop slightly because this exercise perhaps isn't as important. And then maybe onto some cables where it's going to drop again. And then you kind of get that, oh, this feel that that bodybuilding thing of like, this feels so hard. Well, of course it does because you're like the amount of lactic acid in a small space. <laughs> that's not hard. That's not as hard as a bench press still. It's just, it's like experientially it feels harder because your chest is on fire and then finish with something even smaller. And when you kind of watch that, and like this, these are examples that I kind of used with myself. And I was like, well, where's the, where's the actual effective dose there? How can that be a traditional workout? Yet when you want to actually gain weight, when you actually are like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put some size on now, I'm going to do GVT. I'm going to do 10 sets of 10 bench press. And you're like, okay, so that, that kind of proof of concept there is that maybe you're better off cutting the fluff and putting the intensity and the impetus and the extra volume into that, that 20% of the work that's actually giving you the gains. And it's actually, you're, you're getting the benefit out of and to stop wasting the time. Uh, so, and that was probably partially because I had limited equipment. I didn't have an incline bench and I didn't have cable crossovers. I had two kettlebells in the back of my van. So what, what am I going to do? I'm going to do, 10 rounds of 10 kettlebell push press and 10 pull-ups because to me that's like okay that's pretty close to gvt and from like my background and my education my experience i know that to be worthwhile and then kind of as i got more into the conditioning side of things and i started working around with uh different modalities and looking at emoms and looking at sort of density of the workouts and how much time I actually had. I was like, well, if I'm just doing these two exercises and I'm doing them as sort of antagonistic supersets, back to back, why can't I do this in 20 minutes? I can do it in 20 minutes. Okay, so now I'm getting in 200 good reps of good volume of good compound movements in 20 minutes. And, and getting, you know, as, as far as I'm concerned and as far as I can see, the same amount of quality work as someone who's kind of in the gym for 90 minutes because there's never, there's never like a, a drop off in intensity and there's never a drop off in, in sort of quality of movement. And then if I'm monitoring what I'm actually doing, so this, that, that 10 by 10 example, again, if the reps start dropping off and towards the end, I'm doing eight then seven, then six, if I'm monitoring that and I'm making notes of that and the next time I come, I know exactly what I need to beat in terms of reps. And this is something I'm really kind of specific with when I program for other people in the programs I put out, like take notes because you don't realize how much you're progressing or not yeah. in some cases. So again, I go in and I've got that hundred rep goal of these uh, dumbbell, uh, kettlebell push presses. And with the slope off, I might have hit 82 on the first session and then I come in the next week or in five days time or whatever it may be. And I hit that full 100 that's a 20% increase in work. It's 20% measurable increase in work that again, I might not have got if I was just plodding around the gym and I can't really remember what did I work up to my heaviest? I worked up to hundred kilos on the bench. Did I, Oh, what did I do it in? Was I going up in fives? Oh, did I actually hit tens every time? Like if you're not, I don't, I'm not huge on data. Like I, I won't really follow my HR or anything like that, but those things like that, I'd always say to people like progress equals progress. So find yourself some markers that you can look at and you can beat and you can outperform and then you, you're guaranteed to progress there. 
Yeah. I think what's nice is that you, I'm just thinking of simplifying is like the word that's coming to mind when you're going, you're just, um, you're making things, you're making, you're streamlining that session effectively. Tim's talked yeah. before about the analogy between a, a sniper and a shotgun, um, maybe in, in slightly different context, but it sort of springs to mind of, of that thing rather than just doing a load of stuff for that are all on in that example, all on chest, you've gone, well, actually what's the, what's the thing that's the sniper route? What's the thing that's actually like giving me the benefit? And then can I get, you know, arguably the same, if not more quality work done in like a tiniest comparable um, amount of time. And, and then just applying, applying a really simple progressive overload concept of, of a volley, like to, to ask, ask ourselves to like, keep a record of the number of reps of something that we've done or reps and sets is like, that's a fairly easy thing for people to, people to manage. And then I think I, I totally agree with what you said around um, being up that, that once you've tracked, once you're able, once you're tracking something and this is where calisthenics can be quite difficult when, if you're working on say you like your handstand or something that it might be the quality of the thing that you've done. And that can be quite hard to track of like, yeah. did I make progress? But when we do have that sensation or realization that we are making progress, it's so encouraging for us to just keep going and keep being consistent um, with their goals. So I think having those, having those things in place are really important. And we have just the other point on that of like the sort of calisthenics concept. Um, or scenario if something like something like in a muscle up and people come and want to learn a muscle up and, and they ask us what should i do and we go through some stuff or they come to a workshop and we show them a few different techniques and a few drills that we'd use and then the the quality of the the coaching or the programming you would say would to be go to get i like the idea of i haven't used the word like the fluff but someone going do do i need to do x y and z of all if i can pinpoint that the weakness in your muscle up is x and i can give you one exercise to do for that then that's what you should focus on and just get really good and really strong at that rather than, yeah, those other three exercises that you're thinking about are also all relevant to a muscle up. But if one can, if one can sort of be the thing that you need to focus on, you're just going to get more quality work done of that one thing. And, and that's probably just the being able to identify we're big with people of like individualizing your own training so that you be aware of what you're doing, how you're doing it, where your weaknesses are so that you know, What's the what's the uh, a minimum effective dose? What's the what's the thing that you can focus on to get the most amount of gains? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I think that when when you've got all the time in the world and when you've got all the resources in the world, you don't have to focus on that stuff. But it doesn't mean you shouldn't. Yeah. Um, well, you, you'd this, still just wait. You could do something else. You could like finish 100%. your workout and go yeah, and 100%. cook or go and do something for your yeah. wife or friends. Or I don't know. Yeah. There's, there's so many different possibilities. And then this, <laughs> this for me. So we we put together like a, with with Bulldog Gear put together like a You Are Not Your Gym membership program, which is like trying to kind of streamline the process I've been through. Just adding a little bit of kit and here's the movements and here's the program and here's all the progressions you need to do. And when I was putting that together and kind of trying to feel out the philosophy, one thing that maybe I had never, I'd never had to think about before was I'm doing this or I've done this. I've gone down this road out of necessity, but what if, if it's not a necessity for you, what else do you get back? And that yeah. like, the more I start thinking of those examples, like you just said, like you take away and it, obviously I'm not, I'm not, uh, kind of saying just just cancel your gym membership i love like you know i love the gym but you take away you give yourself the ability you privatize it you take ownership of it you take away that half hour drive to the gym you take away the 20 minutes uh kind of getting warmed up getting ready you, you take all of that away and even even allowing the cost even forget about the financial implications let's say you're still paying your gym membership you're out for two hours if you can do a 10 minute warm-up and then a 20 minute EMOM and get 20 good quality sets in with some strength and some conditioning and, you know, a decent dose of like skill and movement and then just walk back into your house. <laughs> like you're, you, you've got an hour and a half back and like, you know, as a father, um, you know, what, whatever, whatever situation you're in, that time is invaluable because you're never getting that back. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. It's something that I've played around with more over the last couple of years. I've, I've got um, some real basic 
um, kit at home, bars um, that I can play around on. And just, I, I was in exact, that exact situation where to drive to the gym was half an hour each way. I kind of have the um, the pre-session preamble chats with people that were there and get distracted. And, and all of a sudden it was two hours and I'd not even really necessarily felt like I'd done a huge amount of work um, because of this distractions and everything that came with it. So shifting to training at home has been a massive win for me because um, there's also something that I really like about it where you don't really feel like training. I can always say, come on, mate, you can do 15 minutes. And if I put a clock on it and I go, I'm just going to go and do some 15 minutes. And that always feels achievable. Even if I had a horrendous day and I'm absolutely shattered, I'm like, I can do something. Yeah. But then I find that once I get into it, 15 minutes is often kind of then becomes half an hour because yeah. I've got started. And it, it, it's less, if it was like, oh, now I've got to go to the gym, it's a half an hour to get there. I'm just not going to do anything. Yeah, Whereas it's a barrier, isn't having it? that option. Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah. And as you say, I get to go in and sit on the sofa and then you're with the, with the family. So yeah. it's... Um, there's a question actually just coming from Owen Beardshaw. This is a great one I was going to get you to talk about actually because your home gym setup is um is, looks like it was well, a, a proper little. You've got a nice little um, cave of a gym, haven't you? And you is it in your garage that you set it up? Uh, is it? This is. I find this this is from really Rich, the dining room. Find, yeah, <laughs> no, a garage, and then um, I've got in this weird situation where we live in this cottage that was two. It's been turned into two cottages, and my brother lives in the other one. So we're kind of like neighbours, but maybe is it the same land? It's hard to kind of distinguish. So half, like we've got the garage, which is all like the indoor stuff. And then um, this like big bulldog gear rig outside with some strongman stuff. And it, we are ridiculously spoiled from that. For someone who like I've done, I've gone done like competitive endeavours with nothing but a, like a barbell on the roof of the van and some bumper plates like to be in this position now is just it's, it's it's ostentatious it's absolutely ridiculous but yeah we've got a nice setup yeah how do you switch then from sort of home life and work life and, and running your own business to then training mode because that's something that I sometimes I've got a pull-up bar in my conservatory which is the same space as my office room um so often like I'm like well, I'm gonna train for a bit and I'm gonna like, set pull-ups oh, I've got some letters here that need opening let's yeah. see what the bank says <laughs> all of a sudden I'm like and then I'm outside watering the garden in between yeah. sets <laughs> how do you turn it on and off I was going to say this before, as we were saying, I, I, can, I can completely empathise that that is the hardest thing, I think, about training kind of at home. And it was uh, previously my training was in like uh, in hotel car parks and stuff. So it's like, well, what else am I doing out here? I'm not just hanging around in the car park. I'm not crackhead. <laughs> so what, what I'm going to train. Whereas at home, yeah, I completely get that, that it's, it is hard to switch on. And, um, and there's, there's a conversation I have a lot with people where you, do, for me, it's about creating the environment. So separate, even if you're, even if your training is with a sandbag or one dumbbell in your living room, have a cue or have some sort of change that you can make. Even if it just me, even like, even if it's down to getting changed into your gym kit, like I'm not a big gym kit wearer. Like I, I, I train in my vans and I wear whatever shirt, shirts off, isn't it? Exactly, tops <laughs> off, fans on. And where, it, from training at work at lunchtime and stuff, I just I wear like smaller shorts under my high vis shorts so I can just whip them off and I'm good to go. But those little cues, like environmental cues, so say you're in your living room, get yourself a yoga mat or something, put it to one side. And when you're ready, like set, you know, set an alarm on your phone if you need to, for your training time. But as soon as it's time to train, roll that yoga mat out, create the environment. And it's the, it's the same, it's the same for me now. Like what, there's nothing else in that garage, but, um, well, my tools and stuff are in there, but there's no other reason to go in there other than to train. So I unlock that door and I go in there and that can seem like what sort of advice is that? But once you get into those motions, you're, it's no different to walking into the gym. You just have to create that kind of click where it triggers. And then like everyone else, I, I struggle. Like there are days where my training, like to get into the nitty gritty of it, I program on a template like 30 days ahead, but I don't break that down into Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Like this is my 30 sessions over the next sort of six weeks. And I kind of just let the rest days fall where they may. And there's been times in the past where I've trained seven days a week and there's been with two a days. And there's been times where I've trained 
twice in the way you know in the in the like preceding weeks just because that's life and i'd struggle like everyone else sometimes to get engaged and it's just creating little environmental cues and one thing i've uh, one thing i picked up from working away all the time and not because sometimes you finish a shift and hello you you still got me yeah yeah go yet hello one thing uh, I kind of picked up from working away, particularly if it's on a job, say we're doing a job in Wales. So we've had to be up from like 4.30 a.m. to travel, get to site. You might not finish till seven o'clock. By the time you've got some food, you got back to the hotel, it's eight o'clock. You're, you're now running on a long day and it would be really easy just to lay down on the bed and go to sleep. And one thing I kind of picked up that I've now sort of backwards, backwards engineered to doing at home is have a cup of coffee or you know what whatever it is your your sort of pickup of choice and jump in a cold shower like freezing cold shower get in there and, and you're engaged like that is my that's my ritual and it's all about having that for me you don't realize when you're walking into the gym that's a ritual you go through those doors it's you're not cognizant of it because you've got to do it but you can harness the power of that you know creating them rituals and creating those environments wherever you are and for me it's just about fueling i'll hit a cold shower or something like that if i feel like i need to and then just getting started and like like you just said um give yourself permission to do 15 minutes and stop and most of the time you're not going to want to stop after that anyway yeah yeah, just for everyone um, who's listening, we've lost Jacko. He's had a few um, IT problems today and he's just at least dropped off. That was a little, I think you heard him go, oh, and then, <laughs> then, he, then he died. So he's going to, I don't think he's going to be able to re- rejoin us back. So we'll uh, we'll fly without him for, for the next sort of five minutes or so. Um, but yeah, no, 100%, I think that's a really important point about just setting up that that process. Um, and sometimes for me, I've just got to do something. Even if I just jump up on a bar and I just do a set of five or six pull-ups or a set of 10, or I'm going to go and do a set of 10 push-ups, I'm like, well, I'm in this now. So I might as well just yeah. do a little bit more. I've kind of made that effort. Um, and yeah, I think you're right about the, whether it's a clothing thing or, or the process that just gets you started. But um, I find that... Uh, the, the feeling having gone through that of like at least I've done 15, 20 minutes. Um, then the, 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 how you feel after that is way more grateful for having not done the workout and just sacked it off. Definitely. And I think the key, the key is anchoring on that feeling without going too deep. Like you have to be able to really remember and really be in that moment after you train to remember like, Oh, like man i feel really good right now. Yeah. And even when you don't want to train then, and even though it, it's kind of just details. There's a voice in your head going, yeah, but you know, you're going to feel great. And there's this other voice just like, shut up. Um, (laughs) Shut up, you idiot. But if you can remember that, then I had it last night. I had to do like a, I had to do an Instagram live and it was coming up and it kind of, if I'd wanted to, I could have sacked off training. I could have been like, oh, I need to get prepped and everything. But a voice in my head said, you know, you know how much better you're going to feel in this live if you train now. Like you're going to feel yeah. great. The amount of times I've trained and then like tidied the garage or, you know, mm. gone and done some other like sort of inane chore because you're just, you're, you feel good. Yeah. I've actually found at the moment, I've, I've read, I don't know if you read Spark, um, Dr. John Ratty, I think his name is like how exercise affects the brain. There's some really good stuff in the early part of the book about, about that, how are the, the positive benefits of, of exercise from a mental perspective. And I often find I do my best thinking when I'm training. So if I might go and do 15, 10 or 15, 20 minutes or whatever, and I come back in, I'm just like, I've got to get some of this stuff down because I've just done a load of like really good cognitive processing while I've been working out and now I'm full of ideas and I've got to try and get some of this stuff down onto paper. And then you're buzzing off the back of that. So. Yeah, 100%. One thing I want to, you touched on before about you sort of schedule a 30 day sort of period of, um, of workouts. So you, I've, I've heard Mike Boyle talk about this before in the past about not big on periodization. And as a strength and conditioning coach myself, I was never one to spend weeks making a perfectly polished Excel spreadsheet, which then completely got disrupted mm-hmm. when an athlete says it's snowing in the UK. So I'm going to Spain for a week. And you're like, oh, okay, well that screws my plan up a little bit. So he would always say just like rest days as you did for where they may can't make a session for whatever reason something comes up you get the rest days as long as we're seeing progression over a period of time then we're in a good place we're moving forwards and we're not getting injured then then we're happy how do you then sort of split up because your balance of your workouts seem quite varied in terms of strength work you've got quite you've got a strong conditioning component you've been doing some triathlon training are all of those sessions just kind of thrown in the mix and it goes on feel um i've got what i feel like doing today or have you got a bit more structure around around that and and then when you've got uh if, if you've got like a structure around 
tonight's a metabolic workout and I don't really want to do it. Have you got anything that you do to sort of get yourself in that mindset of, right, I need to just go and put 20 minutes of, of graft in? Yeah, um, it, it's kind of contingent on whether or not I'm training for something. So after so long of kind of training in car parts and being like, oh, you know, I, I'm, I'm aesthetically getting in good nick and I feel strong and stuff. And I kind of thought I want to, push this now so i entered competitions and stuff like that because i just wanted to see i wanted to more than anything just be an example so i could always look back and go well you know you came six in a strongman competition and the only thing you were training with at the time because you're working away for weeks on end was a sandbag and you were literally filling it up on the beach so any strong examples like that i could create for my and it's an experiment more than anything so if i'm training for something in particular then i will um attempts to periodize to some extent as in i'll work backwards from the event and if there's specific training that needs to go into it then that will be factored for if it's just if there's if i'm not training for anything i kind of just it's just general athletic preparation so it's not just ticking over it's still really hard work and it's still really varied between strength um conditioning and then a bit of endurance work depending on if I know if anything's on the horizon and that then enables me just to kind of go up and down on the spectrum depending on what I've got coming up so let's say someone says to me you know there's a this called like strongman throwdown in three weeks time I know I'm keeping enough like compound lifting and enough strength work in there to be able to be more specific and maybe drop off the conditioning and completely drop off the endurance work and bring my strength up and vice versa. Um, you know, I had uh, recently, I had to do a uh, ultra duathlon for, for the magazine, which is just like over a hundred kilometers of um, cycling and uh, running. But I knew I had enough, I'd been doing enough endurance work in my general work that I could just focus on that for a little while and bring that element up. In terms of the actual structure, Again, completely contingent on whether or not I'm training for anything. But if I'm just like freeballing it, if I'm just doing, you know, whatever I want to do, I, like anyone else, I work from a, I might work from a upper lower structure. I really enjoy, I really enjoy just alternating between upper sessions and lower sessions. I really like at the moment just to do an upper, a lower, and then a sort of not low impact, but more of an engine endurance based session and then just repeat. So that gives you three sessions and repeat. And if you need to take a day off at any point in between those, then it is what it is. I don't like programming a rest day because my, not fear, but kind of something that is on my mind is if I program Wednesday as a rest day, I take Wednesday off and then we kind of have a big emergency at work on Thursday and I can't train. Then what, you know, I've, uh, I've missed that. I've missed that session. And I've, I've kind of doubled that window. Whereas if I just trained on the Wednesday and then let the chips fall where they're made, the emergency comes up on Thursday and I take it off then, but I don't like to stress over missing days. And I think that it's a tell that maybe you're getting a little bit too, you're, you're hanging too much of your mental well-being on your training. If you're like, Oh my God, I'm, I haven't trained. So I've, yeah, I've got to get this working. The minute I yeah. start thinking I've got to do this, I instantly, I'm very disengaged. I was training for an Ironman, um, which was cancelled, obviously. Uh, <laughs> that was, <laughs> I should have been in Greece doing that um, weekend before last. And it was very much, it became arduous. Like the, the sessions are long anyway, obviously. You can't get a free lunch on endurance work. So my mm. Sundays were like four or five, six hour sessions. But I had that feeling of, you have to do this work because if you do not do this work on the day, you're going to get in trouble and having that specter and that pressure of like, you've got to do it. You've got Sunday. I don't care what else is on you. You need to be out. At, you know, do you want to be back at midday to do family stuff? Then you better be training at six. Yeah. And that kind of pressure. I really, I really don't like. So I try to just build templates that don't, pressurize myself like that you know the workouts are there one to 30 i know i'm going to go push pull engine push pull upper lower engine upper lower engine these are the loose workouts and i'll know let's say for instance the structure will be something like monday where we wednesday tell me so monday i knew my structure was my am session 
was going to be a, a 30 minute EMOM of a vertical push, a vertical pull and something metabolic. Like that was the structure. I, I know that that, you know, that's how that workout was laid out for me in my program, which enabled me on the day. And I, I trained with my brother. It enabled me on the day to go, do you want to do cowbell push press? Do you want to do barbell? Are we going to do chin ups or we, you know, we've just got a new pulley system and he's never done any bodybuilding type stuff. So I was like, we're going to do lat pull down because you've never, you've never had the opportunity to get that sweet lat pump. So let, you know, let's do that. <laughs> you never tasted the forbidden fruit. Exactly <laughs> lat pull down. Yeah. And I don't hesitate to incorporate like bodybuilding stuff into, into my training. Cause it's like, what is functional training? Like, what what does it what does it even mean i once wrote like a like a thousand word treatise for the magazine on um what is functional training and at the end of it i kind of stopped and thought well basically it's just training that's just all show no go and uh, effectively anything can be a functional depending on the function that you're trying to perform so i don't really preclude much in the way of like bodybuilding movements again it's that if i'm on the road and if i'm training at my, I have like 45 minutes of breaks throughout say a 14 hour day at work if I'm going to do something in my 20 minute break then obviously I'm probably not going to do lat raises or bicep curls because I'm trying to get that 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 good volume we were talking about earlier so then I'm going to do a push press and a chin up because I want to hit them compounds. So that's, that's kind of how I tend to structure, particularly at the moment where I haven't really got anything on the horizon. I'm doing push uh, upper, lower, and then like an engine session, which is a bit longer. So I'm keeping that endurance ticking over. And I will just, um, at the moment when I've not got anything particularly specific to do, I'll decide on the day perhaps what those movements are going to look like. I've got defaults, but it's just like, if we've got a new bit of kit, or like we made some logs out of the oxygen cylinders the other day. So obviously we're going to use them when we train up. Like, why would you not? You're going to want to do that, aren't you? <laughs> Mate, thank you so much for that. We'll wrap it up there. Jack, are you back? Have you joined us? Yeah. I, um, yeah, no, the thing I'd like the sort of overriding message for me is that you need to maximizing the time that we've got with the simplicity of, of getting the most out of like each, each movement we're going to do and being, not doing, not doing the fluff that you don't need to do. Effectively, that's the sort of takeaway that, that I'm going to embrace and uh, try and implement into. As, as we all do, whenever we have amazing guests on the podcast, like being able to take a little bit away, um, always helps to to try and then implement that in in our own practice as well. So I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you very much. I'm uh, very grateful to you guys for having me, and this has been a, a long time coming. I'm glad we got the opportunity to do it, even if it did take a global pandemic. <laughs> yeah. well, when we get to train together at some point then it'll be even better yeah but, uh, yeah well as soon as this is all as soon as it's all over i'm just compiling a list of people and places i just want to go and train now <laughs> just to get yeah, out, we'll to get get out of the garage <laughs> a sweet lap pump on all right mate we're going to wrap this up then so thank you so much andrew for your time uh, until next time thank you very much class dismissed so thank you so much again for listening. We don't take it lightly that you uh, give up probably an hour of your time to listen to these podcasts, and we really do appreciate that. We hope you got a lot of value out of it, guys, and we would, if you did, we would love you to do a couple of things for us. One of them is tell other people and share it if you thought that we were adding some value. And also, if you want to, pop over to iTunes or wherever you're listening to this and give us a five-star review. We like five stars. Four stars not as good keep it five stars. are the best five of your best stars please <laughs> and if you would like to find out more about the school of calisthenics and see the best of everything that we have got head over to our virtual classroom you can access it from the website at schoolofcalisthenics.com and that is where we have got literally possibly the best calisthenics resource available anywhere in the world it's definitely the best one we've done and on that note until next week class dismissed